Welcome to The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, your host. This week, I'm speaking with Daniela Correa, founder and CEO of DC Global Talent Inc., recognized as Toronto's number one recruitment agency by Top Recruiter. Daniela's company specializes in the luxury hospitality and food market and serves clients such as Four Seasons, Rosewood, and Mandarin Oriental. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship programs. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. In today's tight labor market, organizations increasingly rely on recruitment experts. Daniela Correa banked on this high growth segment to build her own recruitment business from scratch. She leveraged her background in HR and her experience working with large organizations such as KPMG and Mosaic. Today, she's a South After recruiter and along with her all-female team, she advocates for equal opportunity and diversity in the hospitality space. She's an active member of the Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association and Women in Tourism and Hospitality. In this conversation, you'll learn about Daniela's journey leveraging her experience in a niche market to develop a high-performing, industry-leading company. Here's my conversation with Daniela Correa. Daniela, welcome to The Brand is Female. I'm so glad you could make time to speak with me today. Welcome. Thank you, Eva. I'm excited to be here. So I'd like to start these conversations by really uh, unearthing the origin story for your entrepreneurial journey. And in this case, I'd like to ask you, uh, when you were growing up as a young girl, a young woman, what did you dream you would be doing uh, as a career later in life? So I dreamt a lot as a young woman uh, or a young girl. I'm a Pisces, so I think it's just in me to dream. Um, but I thought that I would actually be a vet, so a lot different than what I'm currently doing. Um, and then I sort of toyed around with the idea of journalism as I was in high school. Um, that was kind of a quick thought. Of, I think I more so wanted to be maybe in the spotlight than be a real journalist. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, now I found myself in a completely different path. So, and tell me a little bit about the first chapter of your career. So, um, did you, did you study something along the lines of what you thought you'd be doing later, uh, as, as a career or where did your studies take you? So in high school, I had the option of getting a business certificate if my, um, prerequisite classes or my, the classes that you were able to choose were business related. So I really gravitated towards business classes in high school already. Um, but I really enjoyed people. I'm a very social person. I've always had a lot of friends. I've always liked being around people and, um, just traveling and getting to know everyone. And that's when I discovered HR and that maybe that was a good kind of mix of both worlds and being able to dialogue and engage with people, but then still be involved in the business world. So I did go to school for HR and uh, I loved it. It was a really uh, great program. And then my first job um, right away was right into HR. So I, my first job ever was when I was 21 um, out of school, although I did start working when I was 15. And now looking back, I worked for an accountant, uh, and she was a female and she owned her own accounting, um, practice. And I 
really looked up to her as a, as a single mom, um, a woman entrepreneur. And I think that sort of almost planted the seed in my head of being in business. Um, but my first job, let's say real job as an adult was, um, with one of the big four. So I actually got a job in HR with KPMG, uh, right out of school. And that was really cool working downtown Toronto, um, I had a business card. I had a little cubicle. I thought that, you know, I had made it in life at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and um, what was kind of that trigger point for you wanting to start your own company? And you've mentioned somebody who sounds like they were a role model for you uh, or a source of inspiration, at least. So what was kind of that spark that made you want to own your own business in that industry? So I think just being exposed to business, I was always a very curious person. So I looked as at things in the way of, you know, how do you generate profit? Like, how is this business alive? Like what keeps it alive? So I was very curious and I didn't stay at uh, KPMG very long, actually, I, uh, not even two years, which a lot of people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you left. Um, but for me, it lacked the passion. Um, it was at the end of the day, it was an auditing and accounting firm, which wasn't anything I was passionate about. So mm-hmm. I went to go work for a small marketing agency that was owned by a female uh, and she was young, but she had really big clients like Mattel, um, which is like Barbie and, you know, and really just really big brands. And she would pitch up against the really large marketing companies. And I remember being like, oh my God, that's, you know, so I'm so fascinated, so impressed. Like, how is she doing this? And I knew how she was doing it. She was working really hard. And obviously she had gained experience over the years uh, and working in the field. So just, you know, working for small businesses and then big businesses. Um, but at no point was I, I like, I want to start a business during that time. It really Mm -hmm. kind of happened organically. And uh, tell me about that, that, you know, that organic uh, transition. Um, so when, when did you decide that you would launch your own thing and, uh, what was kind of that, you know, deciding factor for you? Like what was, what was the, the trigger really in wanting to have your own agency? Sure. So, um, the, the recruitment agency that I have now is my first incorporated company, but I did dabble into entrepreneurship a little bit prior to that. Um, I would hire promo models just from being exposed to the promotions and marketing industry in Toronto, but that was very, um, like casual. It was nothing that I was super passionate about. Uh, but when I left the marketing agency with the young entrepreneur that um, I had mentioned, I went on to work for a much larger marketing organization called Mosaic, which is a substitute of Acosta. So they only work with the Fortune 500 companies. And, uh, and that was really cool, um, except I was only in a recruitment capacity. And right. I really wanted to be on the account management side. But the problem was I was really good at recruitment. So it was when I would have my one-on-ones with my management and, you know, they would ask, like, we would talk about the career trajectory and it was, it really started moving in the direction of being like a talent director. At that point, I'd already been promoted and, uh, and rather quickly, which was really great and, and felt good to be recognized. But uh, recruitment was something I really, really enjoyed, but I wanted to be on the side where I had that communication with the client um, and the 
and being building those activations directly with them, opposed to receiving the profile of who would be best suited for the activation that they had already established. So that's kind of when I started realizing that I wanted to be more involved on the creative business aspect. And then I went to go visit a friend of mine in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> um, I took a holiday and she went to law school there and I was offered a job um, when I was down there, which uh, was kind of crazy. It was the second time I'd gone down there and I loved the island. And at that point I was, I think 26 and I had been working corporate since the age of 21. So for me, I kind of skipped that step where a lot of my friends maybe traveled after school and took a couple of years off. And so I thought, you know what? I'm in HR. I know what it takes to find a job. This isn't my forever job. So I took the risk and I um, accepted the position and came in. And going back to being that, that very social uh, person, um, I never had a sales position, but I ended up working in a sales role for a beverage distribution company, which meant that I was selling liquor and spirits and wine to hotels, bars, and restaurants. So I would have to be communicating often with the beverage managers, bar managers, and just through speaking um, about my past, they got to know that I was previously in recruitment. And when I say it happened organically, they re- would start reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know, we're actually short-staffed a floor manager. Do you know anyone? Or, right. hey, we really need some new bartenders behind the bar. Do you know anyone? And it really kind of happened fast. And so I did um, that. So that's how the business started. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it really um, started just with the one-offs. And then very quickly, it was maybe a few weeks after, um, I had placed my first person in Cayman, a hotel was opening and a hotel director of HR reached out to me and said, Hey, we're opening a hotel. Would you like to help us staff? And that's sort of like the dream because now you have all of the positions because it's not just a one-off it's every department head. And, uh, and that's really when things took off. Right, right. So when did it feel like, um, and it's interesting because as you said, you kind of dabbled in a, in a number of things. So it was already, you know, akin to you having your own business, but um, when did it feel like it was, okay, this is actually, you know, a, a, a business model that is viable, that's going to work. And I feel like I can make, you know, a real company out of this. What was that, that trigger point? So I think that was uh, when we grabbed the hotel, really, because at this point now we were recruiting people who had salaries of, um, you know, north of 100K. So these were true professionals, executives, people who had been in the industry a long time. We were recruiting from executive chefs to directors of finance, directors of sales and marketing. And, um, and there was a lot of responsibility that went along with that because everyone that we recruited uh, would have to relocate. They would have to get a work permit. You know, they're relocating an entire country, uh, moving to a remote island. Um, so we, I didn't take it lightly in the sense mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I was fully invested and I wasn't doing anything else at the time. So this was how I was making my money. Um, and yeah, I quickly realized, you know, this is it. And 
I went all in. <laughs> like I, I really did. Um, I already understood recruitment. I'd worked for a staffing agency agency before. Um, I knew that you know you had to fill a position to to get paid. So it was it's it's a hustle. And I mean, at that time, it was just me. But um, now I have a team of six. But in the beginning, it was like 12, 14 hour days. Like I need to find the right person because how am I going to pay my rent if I don't? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what would you say was kind of the biggest obstacle you had to overcome? What was that big lesson in the first few years of running the business? Something that, you know, you couldn't have anticipated until you faced it. Yeah. So, um, Obviously, the pandemic was a big one um, because it really affected us, given that we're in hospitality and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the we specialize in hospitality and food service. In particular, I would say 80 percent of our business is in the Caribbean and very remote islands like uh, Bahamas, Turks and Caicos, Grenada, Anguilla, Cayman, you know, just small islands. And uh, most of those islands had their borders closed. And hotels were closed. That was difficult. Um, But I think even before the pandemic was really being able to pitch myself in a way. Like when I started the business, I was sell my services were much less than my competitors because that was my way of getting my foot in the door. Like here, Mm -hmm. give me a try. And then I kind of still stuck to those fees for longer than I should have. And I think it was a bit of imposter syndrome, like who am I? Because it was still just me on the team, but we were working with huge properties like the Four Seasons, Rosewood, Viceroy, um, you know, like really big hotels that uh, a lot of people go to Mandarin Oriental and all in the luxury space. And then also wanting to like do everything myself. Um, And I think it's because I was scared to scale or didn't know how to even manage someone because I was so used to doing everything. In my mind, it was like, well, how am I going to find the time to train anyone anyone if I'm doing everything already? I right. didn't really process that. Well, if I got someone, then they would be doing those things and I can be doing other things. So I think um, it was big mindset shift for me. That was a challenge. Um, and yeah, I think that was like overcoming that. And then mm-hmm. um, when the pandemic did happen, you know, it's, we started, pandemic started in, in March and that January was uh, just before was the first time that I had uh, been flown out to see a client hotel in Jamaica actually. And that was an all expenses paid trip to go down there as a consultant. And so it started the year with really feeling like, wow, you know, things are, you know, people are recognizing me as an industry yeah. expert and, you know, they're looking, they're looking for me for a consultation and it felt really great. <laughs> and then two months later, and then March happened <laughs> and, then in Mar- and then March happened. And the, the sad thing was, is we had a lot of candidates who actually were with work permits in app in process and um, the government just would not approve anyone because now we're not going to bring anyone in where our borders are closed. So we were, um, you know, we were set to have a really great year. And so that didn't happen, but I did take on a full-time job, um, cause I, me and my husband, uh, had recently purchased a home. So it was terrible timing. And, uh, I took on a job as a head of HR for a financial technology company. And I think everything happens for a reason because, I learned so much there and really like leading a team. Cause that was the first time that I was in 
you know, the head of a department role. Whereas like, sure, I owned a business before I did everything in the business, but it was just me. And now Mm -hmm. I had a team that I was managing of 12 to 14 people, depending on, you know, the time. So it was great because I honed in on those leadership skills and how to delegate and like how to look for, uh, track KPIs and and all these things, uh, which is now what I've implemented in my own business. And actually one of my employees who worked for me at that company, uh, who was on my team now works for me now. And I love her. (laughs) So yeah, that, um, that was, you know, a challenge I overcame, but then I think, like I said, everything happens for a reason and it was a great Mm -hmm. learning experience. Um, so yeah. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice, puts guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can all share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. What's your advice to companies who are and entrepreneurs who are at that stage of, you know, the first kind of big milestone when maybe they've started the company on their own and, uh, you know, they're getting ready for that next step in, in, in growing and expanding. And there, there's a lot that goes with managing growth. So what are some of the learnings that, you know, you, uh, you had to make and, and what would you, what would you share in return to somebody who's, you know, in a similar position now? Sure. So when we, or when I, now it's we, cause it's a team, but when I, uh, started to see those consistent months where, you know, we're, we're doing really well, we're uh, working with really great clients and, um, I, it became where we had too many roles, like there was too right. much business, but I am a big believer of, uh, first impressions. And I almost rather not take an opportunity if I can't deliver on it, because I feel like I don't want to burn my name, um, with this opportunity here with this client, because I can't deliver cause I'm already stretched out. Right. Um, so for me, what I did was I invested in a mastermind program. So I went out and found a coach who specialized in recruitment businesses. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of business coaches out there, but I uh, thought that going niche would really help me because recruitment agencies tend to have similar challenges. Um, you know, we, we all go through this similar challenges and, and then there was a community. And uh, so I invested and it wasn't cheap. It was, you know, it was like the, what I was making 10 years prior the whole year is what I invested in this coach. So for me, it was still like when I, when I compare it, when I think about it like that, I was like, wow, this is a lot of money. I hope it, I hope it pans out, but uh, we doubled our revenues, um, in one year. So in one year, which was the year of the pandemic, and then I continued on to the program and then we doubled our revenues again. And that program taught me to, um, to scale and to hire, like, you Mm -hmm. know, you can, you can only do so much and you should really be focusing on things that move the needle. And often I was stuck in like the admin work of it all. I'm like, I need mm-hmm. to respond to everyone. And I, and I still like, I s- want to respond to people in our team, I think has 
grown a strong following because we really do care and want to acknowledge everyone's message. But my time is better suited in building the business and making sure that we always are working with great clients, that I know what hotels are opening, that I'm in, like uh, involved in the network communities that are happening or conferences that I'm, that I'm putting our brand out there. That's what drives the needle for me. And then my recruiters would be now searching for the candidates that we need to fill the positions that I've brought in. So, you know, just ensuring that you're doing things that really move the needle. Absolutely. And that Mm -hmm, don't mm -hmm. be scared to invest in yourself and your business. Yeah is a big one for me. And mm-hmm. then also That's a piece of advice. Um, to hire, right? Like you just, you can just start with one uh, and you mm-hmm. can start with a contractor um, and see how it goes. Right. But, um, but yeah, like for me, it was a game changer when I made that first hire, which was my assistant. She's been with me now for almost two years. And, uh, and now we have a, t- a marketing manager and four full-time recruiters. So, Right. But it, it just it was very organic and it started slow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've mentioned the team that you have now. So, you know, you're you're a leader for for the team that that works uh, alongside you. What's your definition of leadership and what do you think you bring to your role as a woman at the helm of your company? And you're also a leader in the eyes of your clients, you know, who go to you as a as a trusted expert. So I'm curious to hear you on uh, leadership. Sure. Uh, So for me, I think that my team sees me as a leader because I've been in the trenches myself. Everything that I ask them to do is not something that I haven't done myself. And so, um, so, and, and I'm always there to help them as well. Like it's never like go do this and figure it out. You know, it's for me, it's like, let's figure it out. You know, I, I mm-hmm. want them to use their brain and go out and try and find the solutions that we need on their own. But I'm always there to support them and uh, give them the resources. I've also invested in a lot of technology and uh, tools to give to, so they are armed with the best resources to be successful. And I think that's really important in a leader. You can't just tell people, okay, go figure this out, but then you don't give them any tools or resources to make their job easier. So, you know, for me, and obviously that affects your profit margins because you're now your overhead is higher because you have a tool stack. But for me, Mm -hmm. that also results in filling more positions and doing more business because we can do things quicker and faster and more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, being a leader, looking out to see what are the best tools and resources you can provide your team? How can I best support my team? Um, I also have one-on-ones with my team. Uh, we actually have a one-on-one every morning at 8.30 in the morning to keep us all sort of accountable. It's a quick half an hour. Um, sometimes we don't even take the half hour, but like, you know, we're all there together. And then um, and then just trusting them to, to give them the... To, do the job that I, I've allowed them to do. And, you know, we mm-hmm. all have a really great relationship. So, um, and also I think it's a lot of like putting yourself out there as well. Um, now yeah. I'm in the position where just this month I'll be flying to Colombia and speaking at a conference for uh, hospitality and food service industry in the Caribbean and Latin America. And, you know, I'll be sitting on panels with VPs of the Marriott and the Hyatt. And, um, and I think just, being involved in the industry and really investing in the industry. Um, this is now after six years of going to those conferences and paying 
to go to those conferences, you know, right. and, yeah, yeah. For the ticket and the flight and the hotel. And I would do that like two or three times a year for, you know, now it's this, it's the sixth year, maybe the past couple of years, these things are now presented to me as an opportunity. But prior to that, it was, you know, I'm invested. This is what I'm doing. And I'm putting my name out there in front of the people mm-hmm. who need to hear it. So I think, you know, leaders need to show that they are invested in the business. So your, your team can see that there's, you know, this, there's longevity to this and, and that there's places yeah. that they can go and they can grow with you as well, which is ultimately what I want. Like I would love for in five, 10 years that, if I can provide a scalable career trajectory for my team, then I was st- I want them to be with me. And that's, that's my goal that we grow and mm-hmm. they grow with me. I'm curious to uh, ask you about, you know, we hear a lot uh, obviously about the, uh, the kind of complex ec- economical situation that we're in now. And we hear of labor shortage, at least in North America. Uh, and we know the services industry, especially has been affected as a result of the pandemic. What are you seeing out there? And, um, you know, we, we talk also about a lot of women who have left the services uh, industry in general. Is that something that you're seeing? And what are what are you observing in terms of trends within the industry? So hospitality is looking very promising right now, in particular for the hotels. Um, and this is actually a discussion that we'll be having at this conference. So developments okay. are, are still happening. And although there has been... Um, a decline in employment rates, people aren't, haven't stopped traveling. And I don't know if that has right. to do with maybe the fact we couldn't travel for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of now working nomads as well. So it's not just the traveler who's, who's on leisure, but there's people who travel and stay for longer periods of time for work. And they kind of, you know, travel from here and there. So in terms of the hotel industry, uh, we're very, very busy. Um, There were 126,000 people on LinkedIn in January in the hospitality industry who did set their um, profiles to open to work. So that does show that there is movement happening. People are either being let go or being made redundant or, you know, deciding to switch employments. Um, but I don't, I think honestly, the hospitality industry is, is in a good position. Um, we're not mm-hmm. seeing the layoffs that you, you're seeing in the tech industry by any means. Right. And I think if anything, yeah. it's just getting more competitive um, because people are, um, have higher expectations, you know, service level, it's all the, the traveler, the person who's spending their money, especially now during these economic times, they want to be staying at the place that's going to give them the best experience and, and be creating those special moments for them. So Right, right. Well, and that's interesting to know for women entrepreneurs in hospitality as well. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunities right now and over the the next few years. Um, I want to talk about culture and, uh, you know, values that you bring to your organization and you started the business on your own. It's easy when it's just us. It's easy when it's, you know, maybe one other person as you're growing uh, and you're servicing a, a number of clients and your employees, you know, are really kind of spreading the word about your company. They're, they're your ambassadors. How much of a role does culture play in your strategy as a as a leader, and how do you ensure uh, that culture is is shared uh, among everybody on your team? Oh, it's everything for us. It really is, and I think we sort of set the um, set the precedent in being an all female team. If I, I didn't mention yeah. that before, we we are all females on the team, and um, 
I think just being able to provide my team with the ownership that they have to really empower them has been a huge game changer. So how we do things is we've separated the recruiters into niches, like sub niches of hospitality. So some own the culinary side where others own the operational side. And that really gives them that that power to to take that leadership in those positions and carry those conversations with the clients. So I'm not someone who, you know, holds tight to my clients. I don't let anyone else communicate with them. Like for them, it's a learning experience to grow. And so our culture is really a lot about ownership, empowering one another, um, being transparent, communicating when things perhaps don't go the way that, um, Mm -hmm. that we would have wished it to go. But always being a learning experience that to me, like everything, when we have our challenges for me, it always comes back to, well, this is a learning experience. What have we learned from this? And then we grow together. It's never about someone having to, to feel bad because things happen. And, and an example is we recently had a webinar um, on LinkedIn. We had uh, just over 400 registrations. Um, We had over a hundred attendees. So there was a a disconnect between the people who had Mm. registered and then the people who had attended the, uh, the event And then, you know, not having uh, the list of people who attended versus people who registered, but everything there was a learning experience. It was our first webinar. So maybe we'll use another tool next time. So we'll register with another tool and you have to sign in. It's, we don't point fingers (laughs) where we are right now. And, um, and I think also we've developed, um, even a pay scale right now where things are based Mm -hmm. on uh, metrics as well. So there, no one is going to be paid I'm proportionally different than someone else unless they've met a certain target. And and that goes across the board. And and I've done that. So there is full transparency. There's no favoritism. Um, You know, we, they all essentially started um, with the same experience. So, um, you know, that's been important and and just being fully transparent and giving them the the tools to, to, to grow really. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that that's great uh, that's great to hear and i love the uh, all all women team um obviously championing uh, equity within within your company um what would be your top 2 pieces of advice to a, a new entrepreneur who is just starting with their business so for me uh, a big one is just to start <laughs> so i yeah, hear yeah. a lot of people coming to me Uh, with great business ideas. It's it's what I love talking about. Like my goal is to be an Arlene Dickinson one day and, you know, be investing in people. And, and so I love hearing people's business ideas, but then I think they get caught up in their head about it. Oh, but I need the perfect logo and I don't have money to build a website. And then, you know, it just, they put all of these roadblocks in front of them that prevent them from just doing it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, while they're overthinking it, someone else is, you know, it's working on doing doing it. it. Yeah. So for me, it's just to implement, you know, just to, just to do it. It's nothing in the beginning is going to be perfect at all. You know, Mm -hmm. I look at some of the emails and the pitches that I sent when I first started versus what I'm doing now, but you don't know what you don't know. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a big one for me is just to start. Um, a second one for me and someone who's getting started. Um, well, I think, Personally, what has helped me um, in our business be successful is being niche. I think some people try and be like a jack of all trades um, and an expert Mm -hmm. at none. So, you know, if you can be niche in whatever you do, um, I think that's a big advantage 
because there's a lot already a lot of competition out there. And, and I don't yeah. think e- competition either should shy anyone away from doing work. If, if I was worried about, you know, the billion other recruitment agencies out there, I wouldn't be, you know, self-employed for the past six years. So yeah, being niche, I think is a great one. And then just getting started. Don't, don't overthink it. You'll, you'll get better as you go. I'm sure for you, you know, even the first po- podcast probably wasn't your best podcast, but of um, course, yeah. you keep going. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in closing, what's on the vision board for you in 2023? What are some things that you are working on for this year? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that because my vision board is actually my desktop on my screen, and uh, oh, a little that. tip that uh, that I'll even share with the listeners today. I think it's great. You turn on your computer, and it's the first thing you see. It's always a reminder. So, um, such a good idea. Thank you. Yes. So for me, of course, uh, just to continue growing the business, um, we have some really strong targets this year. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, but I think that's always sort of on the vision board. Uh, but personally, I, I really wanted to be involved in more things like this. Like the, a podcast was on my vision board. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and then also speaking at conferences, just really putting myself out there more as an industry expert in this space. Because um, in return, I hope that that, you know, com- just tri- trickles back down to the business. And then I have some personal family goals as well. I was recently married. So um, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So for me, um, maybe starting a family would be nice, but uh, mm. continuing to travel and, and having this balance that I do between uh, travel and work and, and the financial freedom that this has been allowing me to achieve. Well, wishing you the best of luck with your uh, everything that's on the on the list for this year. And it sounds like you're already on your way. So <laughs> thank you for making time today and sharing all your insight. It was great to hear about your journey. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for you making time today. Thank you so much, Eva. It was a pleasure. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brandy's Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening today. If you did enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Yeah.